God has always had a way of setting up memorials. He makes a promise that he's never going to flood the earth again. So what does he do? He places his bow in the sky as a reminder of that. He feeds Israel manna from heaven in the desert. And in Exodus 16, he has Aaron take some of that and put it in a pot and keep it in the most holy place of the temple there for generations to come. And he says about it there, so that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Keep it there as a memorial. Israel crosses the Jordan River into the promised land. God holds back the water so that they walk across on dry ground. But on the way there, he has them pick up 12 stones and carry them across. Those are set up as a memorial on the other side. Joshua chapter 4, verse 6, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it passed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Then God gave Israel feasts, feasts to help them remember like the Feast of Tabernacles, Leviticus chapter 23, verse 42. You shall dwell in booths for seven days. All native Israelites shall dwell in booths that your generations may know that I made the people of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So the kids are asking, Mom, Dad, why are we going outside and living in a booth this week? Well, it's because God did this for us generations ago. The point of all of these things was to help make sure that the next generation would remember, would understand, and would worship the Lord. Unfortunately, it didn't work. Joshua died. And so did all of the people who, along with Joshua, had seen the great things that God had done for Israel. And like it says in Judges 2.10, all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. That's a Bible way of saying they died. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. And it goes downhill from there. Just read the book of Judges. Read the crazy things that happened in Israel. One generation forgot the Lord. And the whole nation became a mess. One generation. Shouldn't come as a surprise that one of three initiatives of our Thrive Plan is about reaching, guess who? The next generation. You've got those pamphlets on your seat. I hope that you take that with you today and remember, allow it to be something that reminds you of Thrive, where we are going to be tapping heaven's resources to ignite vital expansion. And we're going to be focusing this morning about the next generation. Almost 12 years ago, Mike Schrage was here from uh, Good News Productions International. And I remember a story that Mike told. I listened to that sermon, yeah. 
about how in Africa, the treatment of men there to their wives seemed rude when Americans came to visit them. Because rather than holding the door open and ladies first, in their culture, the men would just walk on in first and let the ladies follow. How rude. Of course, they couldn't understand why men from the United States would send their wives ahead first into places that were potentially dangerous. Different culture. Good News Productions International, where Mike Schrage works, is continuously addressing the challenges of reaching people in a different culture with the gospel. And to be effective, you've got to understand the culture. You've got to be able to communicate in their language. It's best to learn the language. It's best to learn the history, to understand what's different about it, to employ the help of people who are familiar with it. And that sounds like a lot of work. That's what Good News Productions does. But then again, if that's what you have to do to save people from any culture from going to hell, it would be worth doing that, wouldn't it? It's not a question... It's just one that has an obvious answer. It would be worth it. So Jesus sent the church, you and me, into all the world to make disciples of whom? All nations. That means all cultures. And that tells me that it's his desire to reach across cultures and bring along people from cultures that are foreign to us into his kingdom. Shouldn't that be what we want to? Again, that's not a trick question. It's just an obvious one, isn't it? So let me talk about a different culture that you and I should care about bringing into the Lord's kingdom today. For a variety of reasons, we live today 30 years longer than we did, oh, 100 years ago, okay? And because of that, because we're living longer, today in history, there are now five generations of people living all at the same time, all together. Five generations. You are one of those five generations, no matter who you are. You fit into one of them. You've probably seen them named Go ahead and find yourself up there, Gen Z, Millennials, Gen X, Boomers, Elders. There's different names for them. Most of them are kind. And uh, you fit into one of those. You and I fit into one of those. Here's a funny one. My wife and I are in different ones. I have a cross-cultural marriage. So... Depending on what generation you're a part of, your life is influenced by your generational placement. It impacts you. You grew up through specific events and seasons of history that shaped your thinking. You grew up in a certain culture, which means that in some ways, these different generations represent different cultures. You may notice a difference in language, what's considered appropriate in work ethic, in ways of dressing. Why do they dress that way? In music and in basic worldviews and thinking, different cultures, even though we live in the same city. 
So when we talk about the next generation, we are really talking about reaching across cultures to help people from a different culture into the kingdom of God, aren't we? Some of that can be kind of fun. Older people rubbing off on younger people, helping them with small subjects in life, you know, like marriage and parenting and those kinds of things. And younger people hanging around with older people, usually helping them set up their email or figure out their phone, right? Some of it, though, is more demanding. Take a look, a, a, a look at creation, a deep look at creation as it is. Maybe it'll help you feel better about some of the demanding aspects of being in different generations. Salmon. That's right. I'm going to talk about salmon. Salmon from the Pacific make a very long and perilous journey into the tributaries of the Northwest. Now for sockeye salmon, that's what that is, it's the summer of their fourth year of life. They know somehow that when the fourth year of life comes, they've got a trip to make. And they go inland, they fight their way upstream through rapids, past bears and eagles, through oxygen deprivation and heat, all for the purpose of spawning. And by the end of their life journeys, only about 30% of them even make it there to spawn. And after protecting their eggs, the eggs fertilize, both the male and the female do, guess what? They die. Every time. They live to reproduce, and when that's done, they're done. Always. By the way, they're not alone in this kind of self-sacrifice to perpetuate the species. There are at least 30 species of spiders, snakes, insects, mollusks, and mammals for whom reproducing is fatal. Female desert spider carries around her eggs for a month till they hatch. The baby spiders... They need help out of their eggs in the first place, and then for the first couple of weeks, the mother helps them by feeding them, and then the little spiderlings begin to eat their mother. Two weeks later, she's gone. They're well-fed. And the species is perpetuated because they had enough to eat, and she sacrificed herself. Now, that's kind of extreme, but if you're that spider, you do what you need to do to maintain the species. So what does God want us to do when it comes to building his kingdom beyond our generation? My generation, your generation. Listen to how Paul described King David's life. He was preaching in Acts chapter 13. This verse always stuck out to me, verse 36. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. You see what it says? After he had served the purpose of God in his generation, David died. When we say we want to reach the next generation, that sounds kind of open-ended. And yes, it must be. When we say that, what we're doing really is referring to a process that God has put into place. It is the one where the current producers work, place themselves with the ones who are going to come behind them. 
where parents for, will fulfill their role as parents and set the spiritual course for their children, where leaders will invest themselves into the ones who are going to lead. Folks, the youngest cannot possibly prepare themselves. They're trying just to figure out life. It's a process that's especially on us who are supposed to have learned something by this point in our lives that we then can pass on to the next generation. So I'm glad that we have in Thrive a task group that is working to help Central Christian Church reach the next generation. That is being headed up by Brian Beck, our youth and family minister. And Brian is going to take some time this morning to share what that task group has been working on and how we can be a part of that. Thank you very much, Sherm. Like he said, this past fall, I was given the task. I was given the task to head up a team to work on our reaching better, more effectively, this next generation with the goal of being effective and intentional with our outreach. And Sherman has laid out a very compelling reason on why that needs to be done and why that is a natural thing for us to do. And so our team... Um, dug into it and began to put together some, uh, some ideas, some first steps. I want to outline some of the things that we're going to be working on first and then dig into them a little bit more as we go, on, go along. The first thing that we as a team have been tasked to do by our leadership was we need to build stronger families. We believe that families are going to be the core of Central Christian Church. They always have been and they always will be. You guys, many of you know the story of Central Christian Church. You know how long we have been along, have, have been here. And if you look at what Central Christian Church was doing 100 years ago, 125 years ago, what we're doing now is drastically different. And we've changed in order to continue to build strong families where parents are discipling their kids, where kids are growing up knowing Christ, following him. So we want to make a priority of building strong families. The next thing that we want to do is we want to be, uh, survey our families and our community, and with the information that we get back from you, take time to evaluate our current programming. What are we doing to reach the next generation? What are we doing well? What do we need to adjust? What needs to be modified? What do we need to start that's going to be new? But the first thing we need to do is we need to gather information. And we've started on that, and we're going to continue with that as we move forward. The next thing that we were tasked to do is to make sure that we are placing a high value of reaching the next generation throughout our entire body. Is this something that we as Central Christian Church are committed to? Because it is a priority. Without it, our outreach dies. Our ability to make disciples dies. We want to be a church that is paying it forward to the next generation. We want our kids, we want our community to discover what we have. It's a monumental task for sure. And like Sherm says, it is one that we will not accomplish. Not in our lifetimes, because no, no more will we get one generation raised and another one comes along. And we've seen that 
time and time again. If you've been here part of church for very long, kids, they get different. They grow up. The new ones that come in have changed. And although we may never accomplish this, this is a task that we cannot ignore. It is too important. So we have to start now. So joining me on this team, fortunately it is just not me. On this team, we have a great group of people that have been brought together. We have Tiffany Minnick, Kate Swank, Lori Cruden, Jim Jackamu, and myself. And we have been coming together and praying. We've been praying for you. We've been praying for our community. We have been praying that God would give us a clear plan on how we move forward. And in the course of all this praying, in the course of this research and studying, we, develop, we discovered one thing, and I already shared it with you, that Central Christian Church needs to build strong families. It starts right here. You know what? We can look back over the last couple of decades, not just necessarily here at Central Christian Church, but in our world, in our country at large, and we have seen parents a little at a time begin to hand off the training, the development, the nurturing of their kids to professionals, to preschool teachers, to school teachers, the school system, even to the government to decide what our kids should have access to and what they should not. As a matter of fact, one of the biggest influencers in our kids' lives today are social media people. Now, I can't change what is on social media. I can't change what's online. I can't change what, we can't change what our government is doing. But we can make an impact on our families here. We can build and encourage and develop strong parents. And that's what we want to do. We want to pour into our parents that are here. We want to give them tools to be able to parent, to parent effectively. One of the things that you're going to see that we're going to start doing is we are going to make an intentional effort to make sure that we have uh, parenting classes on a regular basis. And our goal is not to have you as a parent in a class every single, every single week. We know that is not attainable, and that's probably not healthy. But in our classes, we want to cover a wide variety of topics. We want to have classes that are focused maybe on parents of younger kids, have classes that are focusing on parents of teenagers, maybe have classes for parents at a time to learn how to share their faith in natural ways at home with their family. And the goal is to help our parents become prepared to do what God has challenged them to do. You know what? We love to support parents here at Central Christian Church. We always have. But quite honestly, we like to come along and support families more when things are going good. We love to come along families and help them develop good traditions, help them have good experiences in sharing their faith, helping pour into their kids before things get into crisis mode, which unfortunately is when parents come to me and to others of us on staff too often. When a kid has made a poor mistake, when they're in trouble, when they're afraid for their kids or their family, they come to us. And we will stand with you every single time if that's where you're at. Do not hear me wrong. 
but what if we can help the majority of our families never get to that point? What if we can build strong families so we can avoid a lot of those crises? Because we want to have kids who have a faith that can lead them into the future to help them face whatever it is that the world, whatever Satan is throwing at them. That is our goal of building strong families. And so we're going to do it through having classes, but we're also looking at the, op- at the possibility of providing online resources for our families as well because, you know, you never know when you're going to have a question and maybe there's not a class going on that's dealing with that subject. Well, you know what? We have the ability to provide resources for you as a parent to find out, well, how does this world event of the war over in Russia and Ukraine, how is that affecting my kids? How should I talk to them about it? Because the fact is, is that our kids know about it. It's all over social media. And some of them are afraid. Some of them are worried about what could happen here. Some of them are um, angry at God for allowing this to happen. What kind of conversations are you having at home about this with your kids? And we can provide resources for you as a parent to help navigate some of those conversations, whether it's around the dinner table or sitting in the living room or maybe if it's just in the car ride. In addition to world events, we could talk about um, new um, things that come into your child's world, um, whether it's um, new social media. Um, there's always seems like there's a new social media that's coming out that a bunch of the kids are filtering off to you, and you have no idea what it is. We can provide you resources to help you understand it a little bit more. He, see the positives. See the pitfalls. Be prepared to have an intellectual conversation with your kids about it. We can also provide resources to help you decide when, if, is, when is the right time to provide, introduce a cell phone into your kid's life. Do you just throw it at them? They've turned 13, they've turned 7, they get one? How do you make that a positive thing, a healthy thing in your family, instead of it just being um, detrimental or a pain or a frustration? These are just a snippet of the tools that we can provide online, and we're looking into doing that for our families. Another way of encouraging them, of equipping them when they, when they are needing the information. The other thing that we can put on there is um, ideas for family devotions, uh, things to prepare you as a parent to be ready to see if your kid is developing um, their faith at the same speed as they're developing age-wise. You know, I would expect a first grader to know that Jesus fed 5,000 people with a couple of loaves and a few fish. But as a high schooler, I would hope that that is not where their knowledge of history goes. or It stops at. I hope that they start to see that, you know what, God multiplies and takes care of his people in wondrous ways. And he is doing that for each of us. Are we recognizing it? Are we living our life in faith that we expect God to provide when we are in need? But like I said earlier, we need to communicate with you. We need to hear from you as well. What are we doing good? What are areas in your families that you need help with? And so... Here's a little bit of interaction moment for everybody here. If you bring a kid here to Central Christian Church, if you bring your own child or a grandchild or a niece or nephew here that's a part of um, our children's programming through student ministry, I want you to grab your phone right now. Take out your phone. 
open up to your camera, and I want you to point it to the screens, and there is a QR code. Go ahead and point it at the screen. A little pop-up's going to appear there. Click on it. It's going to take you to a website. It's going to take you to a web page where we ask you six questions so we can understand your family and your needs a little bit more. It'll help us get a better idea of what we're doing well, what are some areas that we need to focus on for next steps. I'm going to ask each and every one of you that have kids to fill that out today. If you're a parent who struggles with online stuff, that's okay. We have paper copies as well, and those are available on the table in the back. Fill it out. Put it in the box. This survey means so much to us that one of you who fills it out today is going to win a prize. That's right. I'm bribing you. I work with students. I know what motivates. And I know you. It's food. One of our lucky people who fills out the survey today, we will draw a name out of the hat. You will win a $50 gift card to Lino's to have a delicious meal together to celebrate what a tedious job you did filling out those six questions. <laughs> it is so hard. As a matter of fact, there's even a bonus question on that survey where I want a little input back from you. And if you take the time to fill that out, put some thought into it, we'll put your name in there twice. All right? Please, we want to hear from you. This is really important for the team and taking the next step. So if you bring a child um, here to Central Christian Church on a regular basis, um, or if you have a grandkid that you can bring and that you do, please, we would love to hear from you because we want to support all of our families and help them to build healthy and strong families. But that isn't the only thing that we as a team are concerning ourselves with. The other thing that we are focusing on is our ability to effectively communicate and reach people who are under the age of 40. Well, not exactly the under the age of 40. As look at the generations there, generation of the millennials starts at age 38 and younger, and generation Z. Because the fact is that we are great at communicating with each other. But like Sherm talked about, sometimes trying to reach those who are younger, it's a totally different people group. You know what? They don't look at God the way that you and I look at God. They don't think about authority the way that you and I do. They don't look at the world. We can watch the exact same news and we will understand it differently. We will use the same words but mean different things. And if we cannot communicate with each other, if we cannot understand each other, then how are we going to reach them? How are we going to disciple them? And we want to do that. We need to do that. And so we're going to be looking over all the areas of Central and looking for barriers that we have unintentionally put up that keep us from effectively communicating and reaching these next generations. The fact is that we all know that the world is changing at a crazy speed. Oh, my flashlight's on. There we go. You guys know what this is. Do you know how many years ago the first iPhone was sold? 2007. 2007. Where were you at in 2007? Some of you were retired already. Some of you were done having kids. 
This was a luxury thing. Most people didn't have one of these things in their home, let alone one per person, until the past eight years. It's amazing how quickly something like this infiltrates our life and our world. But the iPhone wasn't the only thing that has changed the world. Facebook, when did it go public to everybody? 2006? I'm willing to bet that the vast majority of you here have a Facebook account. And you're on there probably pretty regularly. Here's the problem though, if you're under the age of 40 and you have a Facebook account that you use on a regular basis, you are in the minority. Facebook is for old people. They don't want to be there. They're on other things, like Instagram or Snapchat and TikTok. You guys know our world is changing. The, the day where we had local newspapers that we go to for our news and information, look at what's happened to our own Rockford Register Star. It's so drastically different from where it was 10 years ago. And across our country, newspapers are closing or they're combining being regional centers and where most of the news inside of them are being written by national writers. And it's just being copied and pasted into the local newspaper. You know what, if you have a TV in the home where you watch it using the antenna, that's like if you lived in the 80s and you had a black and white TV. It is that rare. And it, it, don't even get me on cable. You know what? The cable companies are hurting for customers because the next generation, they don't want to have a cable subscription. They are choosing to have online streaming services where they can pick and choose what they want or scroll through all the free videos that are available online. That is their preferred form of media. This is how they get their information. See, this world is changing. And what seems... Weird and confusing to us is natural and second nature to them. And through all these changes, though, none of this changes who Jesus is. And none of this changes the fact that we need Jesus and they need Jesus. This doesn't change what Jesus has done and what he is doing in people's lives today what this does is it dictates how. It dictates the how. How do we communicate? How do we reach? How do we disciple? How do we minister to? How do we worship together? How do we love one another? Sherm already shared the great commission that Jesus gave to us to go into all, all nations. Reach them all. Never did I ever think that that would mean our own neighborhoods, our own cities. Because like Sherm says, yes, it is like we are living in a cross-cultural mission field right here in Rockford, Illinois. You know, a number of years ago, I won't say how many, I went to Lincoln Christian University. And when I was there, I took a class on cross-cultural missions. And most of that class was filled with young men and women who had the plans to go off and to do missionary work across the world, in Africa, in Asia, in Italy. I knew I'd get something out of that. 
And some of the core principles in that class I want to share with you. And actually, Sherm mentioned a few of them already this morning. The first thing that they said that we need to do is that we need to be able to recognize the unique ministry opportunities that are created by the diversity of people in our area. Because, see, the problem was a few decades earlier, the Christian churches were sending out missionaries, and they were taking the American church overseas and the American church structures overseas, and it just wasn't working. The people there, it wasn't making sense. We were making Americans, not Christians. And so they learned that they need to recognize the unique opportunities that are available to the people that they are reaching, the people that are in their area. And then the second thing that comes after that is that we need to honestly be able to face and conquer our fears about that change. First one was easy. Seeing the differences, recognizing the opportunity. The second one is hard. Dealing with our own fears that, come al- that could come along with that change. The fears of things that we feel like we might be giving up. The third step is to embrace diversity. Embrace the differences. Take the core things of the gospel to reach the lost. Celebrate that. The fourth thing is to reject racial and cultural, and for our conversation here today, I'm going to say generational prejudices. And actually, Sherm kind of talked about that, the way that sometimes we look at other generations and we question, why do they listen to that music? Why do they dress that way? Why do they talk that way? But sometimes we look at other people and we look at them and we say, why do you work there when you're this age? Why do you have that type of a job? Why are you living there? Why are you not married or starting a family? We start to look at those things, and sometimes we make judgments that cause us to have barriers and hurdles between us and reaching them and discipling them. The last thing that the teacher focused on a lot was that we need to identify with Jesus' compassion for the lost. What did Jesus' compassion look like? Well, he gave up what it meant to be like God. But instead, he came to earth in the form of flesh and blood as a human. He became like a servant. Giving all that up for what purpose? So that a way might be weighed, so that we can have salvation. So that he could reach the law, so he could reach us. We need to have that same attitude, and boy, is that hard. Boy, is that scary. But if we don't, who will we miss? Who will be left behind? And if we do, who are we going to reach? You know what? There's a lot of young people in this world who are growing up with no idea who Jesus is. Their families never come to church. They know the building's here, but they don't know what we do. It's kind of a scary thing that's here to them. They are the ones that Jesus has placed us here right now to reach. And our team is going to be asking you to join us in praying for them and helping us to begin to understand them better and learn to embrace them, both as they come into our doors and as they are in your lives, in your daily lives, out and about the world. 
And just like I'm going to pass it back over here to Sherm to wrap it up. But I'm going to ask you to do a couple things today. First of all, if you haven't filled out that survey, please do that before you go today. The second thing is this. Pray. Pray for the lost. Pray for our own hearts. And what we need to do to be a community, a church that builds strong families and reaches the next generation for Jesus. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Brian. Psalm 78, verse 1, starts out, Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we've heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. Do you see the plan that God has had ever since of old? The month of September, we're going to take four weeks to focus on this specific Thrive initiative, and of course, we're going to be working on it until then, but that'll be a good month to see how are we doing at that point. Maybe Brian will have another drawing. We'll see. George MacDonald was a Scottish preacher and writer of the 1800s. He largely influenced a lot of writers, among whom was Lewis Carroll and C.S. Lewis. And in his work, The Seabird, the Seaboard Parish, he wrote these words. He was writing, he said, as a grandfather to his readers. We have yet a work to do, my friends, but a work we shall never do aright after ceasing to understand the new generation. We are not the men, neither shall wisdom die with us. The Lord hath not forsaken his people because the young ones do not think just as the old ones choose. The Lord has something fresh to tell them and is getting them ready to receive his message. When we are out of sympathy with the young, then I think our work in this world is over. It might end more honorably. So with the help of a 45-year-old guy writing that 153 years ago, let's consider again, is it worth it? Is it worth it? It's not a trick question. But it has an obvious answer, doesn't it? Is it worth reaching across the cultures of different generations to keep people from eternity in hell? It's not a trick question. It's also a way to help us remember that this whole Thrive Plan isn't about us, not about me. It's not about just one generation of believers. It's really about reaching the most people that we can help reach and bringing them into the Lord's kingdom, whatever age they are. So much is always changing. I am so thankful that the good news doesn't 
And I'm glad to be able to say this morning that the gospel message remains the same for every generation because the need for it is the same for every generation. And that, by the way, is you today, builder, boomer, buster, millennial, Gen Z, doesn't matter. We all need the Savior, don't we? We all need the only way to eternal life in God. His name is Jesus Christ. That's the simple message. And if that's you this morning needing to begin a relationship with him, this is the time that we say it'd be something you need to give some attention right now. If you're online, if you're here in person, we're inviting you on behalf of Jesus Christ to accept him as Lord in your life, to let him be Savior because you need him. So today, uh, if you want to make that decision, we want to help you. If you have questions about what do I need to do to become a follower, let us help you. Let's sit down together in God's Word. It's not so formal. It's a matter of sitting down with somebody who cares about you, and there are a lot of people sitting around the room right now who would be glad to do that with you. I'm one of them. I'll be down here at the front. We're going to sing a song here to wrap up our time together. And while we do that, come talk to me. If you're online, get in contact with us, cccrockford.org connect, or email us, call us. But get in touch with us. We don't know who you are unless we hear from you. So let us get in touch with you and respond to you now looking into life in Jesus. Let's stand together and pray as we dismiss here today.